There is no better advocate than Jesus. No other propitiation or covering than the blood of Jesus. No other way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. There's no other way. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves. And then we strive to walk in holiness. We strive to walk in fellowship with God. We strive to do what is right because we have been saved. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to see the marvelous works of Christ, John 5, verses 1 through 23. And in verses 1 through 9, we'll see a miraculous healing. In verses 10 through 16, a meaningful Sabbath. In verses 17 through 23, marvelous works. And Father, we thank you for your word and for what we learned from it. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to learn and that we, Lord, would by faith have courage at your very word that we, Lord, would be able to rise and walk in that faith and see the miraculous works of Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we discover as we move on in verses 10 through 16, a meaningful Sabbath. Verse 10 reads, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude being in that place. So Jesus slipped out and there's a lot of people around. Verse 14, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. So we find here in the second point, a meaningful Sabbath. For the man, it was very meaningful. He would never forget the day that Jesus spoke to him, and he followed in obedience. Lord, you made me well. But for the people there, they question. They questioned the man. Don't you realize that it's the Sabbath? And they saw this man as a lawbreaker. And we find that from this point forward, 
that the Jews would be constantly watching Jesus on the Sabbath. They would see the sick. Remember the man with the withered hand sitting in a synagogue. The Jews knowing that Jesus likes to heal people. They kept an eye on that situation because it was the Sabbath day. They were constantly on the hunt for lawbreakers. In Jeremiah 17, 21, Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourself and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. And they considered the man carrying his bed as of bearing burdens. And the man carrying his bed wasn't the only thing that upset them on that day, but that Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath as well. So it wasn't just about carrying a mat. You know, he wasn't hauling a queen-sized bed on his back. It was something that he could throw on the ground to lay on. It probably wasn't very much more than a, a blanket, what we might consider. But also that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. The man with the uh, withered hand in Luke 6, 7, it says, So the scribes and Pharisees watched Jesus closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. Yet Jesus' marvelous works, they were proof. Luke 6, 5, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. So there's this initial confrontation. We'll come back to the Sabbath in the next uh, point, in point three. And the religious rulers and this healed man are separate now. Jesus, I like this, he finds the man in the temple. He's able to go to church. He's able to go worship. He went to the temple. What do you think he was doing there? I think he might have been thanking God for his healing. Remember, later on, there would be 10 people who had leprosy who would be healed and only one would return to thank Jesus and Jesus would say to the one where are the other nine and that's how it is so often in life that there are people who find themselves in difficulties and struggles and they cry out to Jesus and he gets them out of the issue and then they quickly forget the one who saved so I think it's significant that we find this man in the temple when Jesus found him there, he said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing should come upon you. So the ideal is to strive for holiness, sinlessness. But in reality, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. In 1 John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins, a covering for our sins. Jesus Christ, the mercy seat. He comes between us and his Father. He's taken the price of our sin. Not just coming between us, but he has bore our sins. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that sinners find mercy and forgiveness. As it says in 1 John 1, 7, for the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And there is no better advocate than Jesus, no other propitiation or covering than the blood of Jesus. No other way to heaven. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. There's no other way. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves, 
And then we strive to walk in holiness. We strive to walk in fellowship with God. We strive to do what is right because we have been saved. Verses 15 and 16, the man departed. He told the Jews it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Commentators like to condemn this man. He shouldn't have told on Jesus. I think the man did exactly what he was supposed to do. If Jesus heals you, if Jesus saves you, are you to keep it to yourself? Or are you to share it with others? Hey, it was Jesus who made me well. It's Jesus who made me whole. And how did he know how they would respond anyways? But it was Jesus. And I think that's where we miss it sometimes. We try to keep it secret. It was Jesus. My new truck's not as new as it used to be. A couple of years old now, two and a half years old. But I made sure that it said the same thing on the back window that my other truck said. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And one of the lead atheists, who now died in a plane crash, is no longer here. He discovered the truth, finally, but the hard way. But one of the uh, lead atheists in this area, and also nationally, he challenged me one day on the road came up behind me, honking his horn, flashing his lights. And I figured out who it was when he passed me and then slowed down in front of me, and his license plate said atheist on it. He was proud of it. I knew who it was then. But, hey, we can have a contest of words, even with uh, decals on the back of our vehicles. I'm an atheist. I'm a Christian. I want you to know that. But it's not about the t-shirts we wear or what we decal our lawn signs with or vehicles with. It's more so about living Christ and being someone who's willing to proclaim Christ. Whether the person receives it or not, it was Jesus. Now, Jewish law identifies 39 categories of activities that were prohibited on the Sabbath day. If someone was injured on a Sabbath day, they were only allowed to stabilize the person. They had to wait until the Sabbath was over to administer acts of healing, like setting a bone. Sounds kind of cruel, doesn't it? I know you're like, you know, all twisted out, but, you know, in a few hours we can set that for you and get you on the way to healing. You'd have to hope that if you got hurt on a Sabbath day, it was toward the end of the Sabbath day and not the beginning of the Sabbath day. It might be a long 24 hours for you. Shabbat 22.5 says, They may not set a fracture. If someone's hand or foot is dislocated, he may not pour cold water over it, but he may wash in the usual way. And if it heals, it heals. So, you know, you can do the normal things, but nothing that goes beyond what is acceptable on the Sabbath. If it heals, it heals. Sadly, they've made their man-made traditions, like acts of healing on the Sabbath, unlawful. 
And in Mark 7, 9, it tells us, all too well you reject, Jesus speaking, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. And the marvelous works of Christ continues to offer healing and forgiveness through faith in Jesus' name. And finally, these marvelous works, verses 17 through 23, again for context, John 5, verses 17 through 23, but Jesus answered them and said, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son of man can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows himself all things that the father himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. That's where we got the title today, The Marvelous Works of Christ, that you may marvel. Verse 21, for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whomever he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So we find a continued work, verses 17 and 18. Jesus said, my father is working until now, and I have been working. Now this goes back to the Sabbath rest that God, in creation week, we know from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 3, that on the seventh day, having created in the six days, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work, which he had created and made. But on the other hand, God continued in his work, watching over his creation. So God doesn't take a break every Sabbath day, which would mean on Friday night, technically to Saturday night, that God, I'm just, I'm going to take 24 hours off. You guys are on your own. I'll be back on uh, Saturday evening when the sun sets. Hope you can make it. Now God's been watching over his creation from that point forward. In fact, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, speaking about Jesus as God, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. The Lord just keeps the work going on. My father has been working until now. I have been working. And then the Jews, here's the second reason. Not just because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, but now, verse 18, that he made himself equal with God. Now the Jews desired Jesus' death for two reasons. Because he did an act of healing on the Sabbath, but also because he made himself equal with God. And John clearly reveals in his gospel that Jesus is God. In John 1, 3, all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made. 
John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. Jesus came in the flesh, both fully God and fully man. This is called the incarnation. It comes from a Latin word that means in flesh. The uniqueness of Jesus Christ, both fully man and fully God. And Jesus in verse 19, like father, like son, my father's been working until now. And what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. He gives a very human explanation. I'm just watching dad doing what dad's doing. When we were on vacation, Catherine was taking pictures. Probably Lily and I and Josiah and Ayana. Maybe John was there or not. I don't know. But she was taking pictures and she afterwards said, it took me years to get Johnny to stop raising his eyebrows when he smiles. I never knew he picked up that useless habit for me. I raise my eyebrows when I smile. It looks unnatural in pictures. But Catherine probably doesn't realize, I have slits for eyes. They're not very wide. I can't open my eyes any wider than, I mean, it looks weird if I try. They're just little narrow slits. And I, I think I try to compensate for that by raising my eyebrows. It just makes me look goofy. But he had picked up this worthless habit, thankfully. Thankfully, Jesus watching his father. No worthless habits there. They condemned Jesus for two things, for healing on the Sabbath, for equating himself with God. And Jesus later argues that the very miracles that he did testified that he was one with God. John 14, verses 10 and 11. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. The very miracles proved that Jesus was one with his Father, that he was the Son and is the Son of God. But he goes on to say greater works. The Father loves the Son, verse 20. The Father loves the Son, shows him all things that he himself does. And will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Greater works. Jesus was unlike any who came before him or after him. He is the beloved of the Father. There in the mountain of transfiguration, Peter would later write, saying in 2 Peter 1.17, He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter, James, and John, they heard the testimony of the Father. And Peter writes about it and repeats it for us. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Thankfully, the God not only loves the Son, but He loves us as well. John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. So the Father not only loves the Son, but there's going to be greater works. Verse 21, as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. As the Father raises the dead, Deuteronomy 32, 39, now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there anyone who can deliver you from my hand. God makes alive. God heals. In the Old Testament, we only read of three people who found a resurrection of life. The widow's son of Zarephath was raised by Elijah. The Shunammite woman's son by Elijah. And then there was a man who, after Elijah had died and was buried, and it was in wartime, there was a man who was killed, and they quickly threw him in Elijah's tomb. And the moment he touched the bones of Elijah, he came back to life. Those are the only three resurrections that we find in the Old Testament. And as of yet, Jesus had not raised the dead, but he soon would raise the widow's son from Nain, the daughter of Jairus, and also his friend Lazarus. And we'll read of three, again in the New Testament, who'd be raised up because of Jesus. Others would be as well when we move beyond the Gospels, but the three that's connected to Jesus proper. And God, he's given us physical life. But true life comes through faith in Jesus Christ. In John 17, 2, he says, As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he gives you eternal life to as many as you have given to him. God gives life. The Son will give life. He'll raise some who are dead here. But true life comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So we honor the Son, verses 22 and 23. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You know, the Bible tells us we'll all stand before the Bema seat judgment of Christ. Of Christ, Christ being the one who brings judgment. Second Corinthians 5, 8, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of you may receive the things done in your body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. For the believers, this judgment seat of Christ will be loss of reward, not punishment or death, because we have everlasting life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It won't be a judgment to gain life. Otherwise, it would be works towards salvation, and we can't work to gain our salvation. It's a work that Christ has done. So it's Christ who gives life. To the unbeliever, it will be that of punishment. Those who have never heard the gospel, they'll be punished less, but nonetheless still punished. In Luke 12, 48, it tells us, but he who did not know, did not know the commands, yet committed the things deserving of stripes, will be beaten with few, for every one to much is given, much will be required. But to whom it has been committed, of him they will ask more. So basically that passage is a lot longer in Luke 12 to 48. It's a lot longer. I'm trying to keep it short for you guys. 
We could stay a lot longer too. The idea is you'll only be judged according to the things that you know. And so if you'd never heard of Jesus Christ as a savior, judgment still comes, but it'll be less of a punishment, degrees of punishment, yet still punishment. For we serve a just and righteous God who will rightly judge in all things. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 164, seven times a day I will praise you because of your righteous judgments. Or Isaiah 33, 22, for the Lord is our judge and the Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. God brings salvation and the marvelous works of Christ continue to offer this salvation to all who believe. Father, we thank you for the word that you have given us today, and I pray, Lord, that we would take courage from it today. Whether it's a need of healing, or Lord, a command to step out in faith, help us, Lord, to walk according to your word. Lord, that we might know the wonderful works that you have for us. This day, we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.